Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown, and today we kind of want to go over a little, not necessarily a different part of the game, but one of the consequences of the game. And it kind of started with last season on July 4th, pitcher uh, Masahiro Tanaka was hit during uh, in batting practice with a line drive from uh, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. He's only the latest in a pretty long history of different pitchers being hit in the head or face with batted balls. The most severe injury that kind of ever resulted from this was actually a pitcher back in 1920, Ray Chapman was actually killed after being hit in the head with a baseball. Um, now, it's unusual that that was obviously an outlier incident, but the MLB is aware of the risk to pitchers and some of the lack of interest on the MLB pitchers part and putting on any kind of protective headgear. So we kind of wanted to come in today to talk about what's it going to take to get the MLB to do something about the ongoing rich uh, risk of a serious injury to a pitcher due to a batted baseball. Traditionally, pitchers don't like to wear the protect- protective padding on their caps. I certainly didn't when I was pitching, but is that ever going to change? Uh, we can recall a couple of years ago that Alex Torres for the Mets was actually wearing a prototype uh, cap that had protection on the cap, and that was something that he was wearing. So it's kind of interesting just to think about how technology and the rules of the game might change in order to avoid a situation like this. And um, so we're fortunate today because uh, the podcast is going to have its first guest ever. There can only be one first. Uh, and we're really happy uh, and proud to uh, have Willie Blair, uh, most recently of the Detroit Tigers at the end of his career, uh, join us on the podcast today to talk about uh, that subject, his experience, uh, what happened on May 5th, 97, uh, and uh, what might happen going forward. So, Willie, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, guys. So um, I, I noticed uh, in, in your MLB back uh, career, you had eight major league teams you pitched for, um, which, you know, people pitch for lots of MLB teams, but that, that even surprised me a little bit. Uh, but what really stuck out was that you pitched for two expansion teams. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I tried to find and started looking around at players that play for two expansion teams. And I don't know if you consider that unlucky or lucky uh, as a baseball player, but maybe you could just talk about that for a second. Yeah, it's certainly not common. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I will say this. I felt like at the time it was a great experience, um, you know, to be a part of history, uh, to be on two um, expansion teams. Um, We weren't Neither of the teams I was on was a really good team early on. I mean, you, uh, you're basically bringing in a lot of young guys, right. um, a lot of guys from different organizations and, and that kind of thing. And, and sometimes it takes a little time to um, gel as a team. But, uh, I, you know, I made a lot of good friends on both those teams, and, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, uh, you know, we, we will continue to search and see if we can find anybody. I'm not sure if they're the only guy to do it, but at this point, you're the only one that we know of. Um, so uh, how about um, what you're doing right now? Uh, you know, uh, you're working the Tiger organization. Yeah, I'm a uh, pitching coach in the minor leagues. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be with um, our um, high A affiliate, uh, it's, which has changed um, this year. You know, uh, prior to this year, our high A affiliate was in Lakeland, Florida, and our low A affiliate was in West Michigan uh, in Grand Rapids. So that's flip-flopped this year. So I will be in Grand Rapids with our high A affiliate as a pitching coach. But the Tigers are still keeping their low A? 
Yeah, the the low A low A will be in um, like I said in Lakeland. Now, the way I understand it, all of the short season A's um, are the teams that are kind of been pushed out. Oh, okay. So uh, it's not necessarily being uh, nearer to the Tigers. It's not about bringing players because you're not bringing single A or, or, or players to the major leagues. Um, and any particular reasoning that you can think of as to why they flipped it? I, I really, I, I think <laughs> um, there's a lot of, um, you know, talk in the, in the media and, and stuff like that about how they wanted to um, maybe – you know, have a little bit better geographical uh, map for for some of the leagues, and uh, um, there's a number of other different reasons why they did it. And you know, I'm I really I'm not familiar with all of them, but uh, I know I know that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. We talked about you know the the, the big major changes for minor league baseball in one of our prior podcasts. Uh, because uh, it really is, you know, something that, you know, is, is affected a lot of people and a lot of players. So uh, I'm sure you're really happy to get back out in the field um, because you didn't do that last year, right? You couldn't even have a season at the minor league level. Yeah, uh, that's a very odd feeling uh, for somebody that's used to be used to being out on the field in, in mid-February and, and uh, being there till mid-September or, or later. Um, so that was that was a very... Um, odd feeling not being able to do that and uh you know I, I feel bad for the players um but all the players are in the same boat but I, I feel bad for them because they basically lost a year of competition and um you know just another year added on to their career um and some of these guys needed that time to develop and so that that's the part I feel bad about is is um you know the kids really didn't have a chance to shine and, and, and move up the ladder, so to speak. Well, uh, I'm sure I can speak for Gordon. Say so we just can't wait to watch and, and be part of baseball. I can only imagine what it would be like, you know, from a coaching standpoint, because the void there, as you say, is just, you know, for something every year you've done in your life to stop completely. Uh, it's yeah, like, yeah. It must be weirder. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I can even remember it. I stopped playing, you know, early on into college, but it was like the year didn't start with New Year's when you were playing baseball. The year started when you went to spring training and you started baseball. So like to all of a sudden have that just chopped out and you don't have that anymore. It's just like it's like it never happened almost. Yeah, well, the thing about it is we did actually go to spring training, but we had to leave. Uh, oh, that big. Quick. So um, I think some worse. of the guys I, I was actually there February 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was there for a while. Um, I think we came, I came home on March 14th, maybe. Um, but, uh, so I was there for a little over a month, but some of the players had just gotten there. They'd only been in spring training for, you know, a day or two. And when all this stuff came down, so, uh, it, it was, it was a strange, strange, uh, time in our, uh, careers and our lives uh it was just a, a weird deal so um we want to get to the the topic we're talking about today and uh this kind of started a little bit um gordon and i talked in one of our prior episodes about ray chapman who gordon mentioned who was actually a batter who, who was hit by a pitch ball in 1920 oh i was I, i'm sorry i was uh, wrong and, on that and, uh, you know the only player to be struck and, and killed in a major league game 
um, and went back and looked at, gee, you would think that, you know, hitters, you know, have hit pitchers. And I think the most famous one that I remember growing up was Herb Score, who was a famous pitcher uh, for the Indians Rookie of the Year in 1955. Uh, and his career was really, you know, uh, just stopped almost by that incident. It was never the same after that. Um, and there are other players. But uh, 40 years after that, actually, almost to the day, um, you had that experience uh, while pitching a hell of a game. Uh, and you were able to come back from it. We want to talk a little bit about it and um, a little bit about what you thought before that, if it could happen, if it was possible, and then how you have handled it. And, and maybe you're tired of talking about it, but um, uh, hopefully we can uh, we can learn a little something. Well, first of all, uh, you mentioned Herb Score and uh, the game that I got hit in. Uh, we were actually playing Cleveland in Cleveland, and he was doing the game that day. And I remember so uh, watching. I, I remember watching um, video afterwards, and just watching his reaction. It was, it was. Uh, you could tell he was very concerned about it, and then that kind of thing. So, uh, I never talked to him after that, but um, I do know that uh, he was pretty upset about, you know, about what happened on the field that day. So, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, for him, that that was that was almost the f- exact fortieth year anniversary for it, so that had to be kind of surreal for him in a way. Yeah, well, um, I, I, it had to be. I mean, I, I, I remember after I got hit, uh, there was a couple more instances uh, in '98. Even I was with the Diamondbacks, and uh, uh, Kelly Stinnett hit a line drive and hit Billy Wagner in the head. Uh, that year. Um, and, and I remember my feeling when, you know, sitting in the dugout watching that happen, I was like, it almost made me sick to my stomach, but, uh, you know, it, it's a dangerous part of the game, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I always knew that that could happen. Um, I'd been hit multiple times before I got hit in college. Uh, I got hit in, you know, in the minor leagues, even in the big leagues, but it always seemed like you could either deflect it with your glove or you could get, you know, move your body in a way to where it hits you in muscle or hits you in a part of the body that, you know, it's not going to kill you. Um, <laughs> so we always knew of the dangers um, of it. Um, but that day was was obviously a little bit different. Well, and, and you weren't out very long, right? What's that? I said you, you weren't out very long either. That's, that's that surprised me very much. Yeah, I think I missed a month. Um, uh, I uh, they originally said that it might be two months if they had to wire my jaw shut and that kind of thing, and 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 I talked them out of that for a couple of different reasons. Um, one is I have allergies and. Um, I also had a deviated septum in my nose, so I didn't breathe through my nose very well. So if I would have had my jaw shut, um, it would have been tough for me to really breathe. So I, I didn't. I talked them out of that, and and it, my argument was was pretty easy because uh, of the fact that the fracture was non-displaced. Uh, so as long as I promised them, I would you know, be careful and, and that kind of thing. They were okay with it. Hmm. 
That certainly makes it a little bit different because, like, I mean, like, I, I was only ever hit with a batted ball once, and so I kind of got lucky. But even that, like, I, I remember afterwards, it's always kind of just lurking there in the back of your mind that it's like you knew it was a possibility beforehand. But once you've been hit once, you're it's like, OK, no, that that's a real thing that can definitely happen. It's like you're like, it'll never happen to me before that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that I never thought it could happen, uh, but in the in the heat of competition. Um, it's definitely on the back burner. You're, you're not really think your job is to get that hitter out mm-hmm. and, um, you know, help your team win games and all that. So you can't go out there and be scared. So I don't know. Athletes just have a way of, um, putting the, um, uh, fear or, um, you know, threat of injury. They put that on the back burner. You know, that's, that's, we love competing. That's part of our job. We just go out and do it. And, and it's part of the game. We all know that, but it's somewhere in the, on the back burner, the back of our mind somewhere or, or whatever. Well, um, talk a little bit about, uh, you, you, when we talked to you, when we uh, talked before the show uh, about the fact that you coached Alex Torres and, and your thought about <laughs> protective headgear and, 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 what's it going to take? And that's kind of where we started this whole thing is what I, we don't want something really bad to happen. And at some point it just seems, I don't want to say inevitable, that's possible. So how do we, how does it get changed from where it is now? Hockey, hockey goalies didn't used to wear masks. Then they did, they wore helmets. So, you know, when safety protocols become more, you know, understood, people make changes. It takes time. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Well, first of all, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, respect for uh, Alex Torres and 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 what he uh, did that year. Um, it took a lot of courage to to wear something that's you know completely different. Uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, uh, players are kind of reluctant to to make changes. You know, for one, it feels weird. You know, if you're pitching or playing, you want to be feel comfortable. So. Uh, that feels weird. It looks weird. You know, people made comments all the time uh, to Alex of it, but he stuck to his guns and, and, uh, um, and he wore that all year. And um, so I, I really admire him for that. Um, as far as, you know, the, what's going to happen or what needs to happen, um, you know, my view might be a little bit different than other people, but I was, directly affected by by this and so you know i do feel like there should be um a move you know sometime soon to to do something to protect the pitcher um do i have the answer on what that should be i don't uh you know it it has to be something that's like i said it has to be comfortable uh it has to look decent uh it can't look like you're you know, completely different than the other players. Um, I, you know, I don't know what that answer is, but I, I think uh, it probably needs to start at the lower, lower levels and just go from there. And then as over a period of time, it just becomes an accepted piece of equipment or uh, accepted practice. Uh, you know, it, but the main thing, you know, and I, I, I want to be clear on this, it has to be something that, um, 
you know, that is comfortable. You know, you have to, it can't hinder your view. It can't hinder your movements. Um, I'm not smart enough to come up with what that's going to be. Uh, but uh, I do think that there's a lot of smart people out there that can come up with something. And yeah, I think, I think, I think that point is really key because we know, I mean, I was a pitcher and it's just like, if there's any change, if they, if it's at all different, they're going to find a way to blame what has changed for any kind of drop in performance, even if it is or isn't directly impacting that. I know it would feel really disconcerting if all of a sudden you're wearing a hat on the field, it, it weighs just a little bit more. You're going to feel off and it's going to be, it's going to take an adjustment period. So I think that's why your point that like you need to start off with the younger kids and get them used to throwing that way their whole lives, then it won't be an issue. But to take some guy like, Jacob deGrom, who's been pitching now for years, or or Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, and be like, hey, so the, the way you're used to it, uh, totally different now, wear this new thing. They're going to push back on it just because they've been fine up until now, and they don't like how it feels. Of course, and I, I would have too. You know, it's, uh, I think that's just part of us as an athlete. You know, we're, we get so used to doing things a certain, certain way, and, um, you know, we're re- reluctant to, to change certain things. So um, I agree. I, I, it would be tough to do just to institute it at the, at the higher levels. Uh, that's why I feel like it needs to be, you know, it needs to start in the low, low levels, youth leagues, and have these guys get used to this all the way up through their uh, amateur days, all the way up into pro ball. So, you know, whether that ever happens, I don't know. Um, I do think it would be, um, a good, uh, uh, you know, a good thing for the game, uh, protect some people, uh, you know, because there, it's, it's only a matter of time. Somebody, somebody's going to get hurt, get hurt badly. And, and, um, you know, you all, you hate to look back at something like that and say, well, it took this in order for us to make a change. Um. And if I'm a player, I also you also you hate to kind of think this strategically about it, but you're going to have a lot more control over what the proposed solution is if you approach it now than after that incident. Because if you have that incident, the level of control you'll have over what the solution is is going to drop way down because it's going to be more important at that point on how to just fix the problem permanently rather than if like, okay, what is our preemptive measure? You might not get as like wild a solution for something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, I, I I really don't know a whole lot about how all that stuff kind of works, but uh, I think it, it would definitely be better to approach it before something major happened rather than later, for sure. Willie, you you played, I think, uh, at the same time that John Olerud played. Uh, there was certainly overlap in your careers, and uh, I, I played together actually. Oh, oh you did. So yeah. he, wore, he wore a batting helmet on the field, which was, I don't know if anybody else did at the time. Do you remember? I don't remember anybody wearing one at the time, um, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I, I was very fortunate. I got to play with John Olerud in Toronto as well mm-hmm. as New York. I was only in New York for a couple of months. Right. But uh, what, a, what a great human being. And his story was uh, – was amazing that he was able to uh, recover and come back from um, what he had. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, there's a guy that definitely would have been much more appreciated into the way we look at the game today than he was back then because he wasn't a big power guy back when that, and that's what we expected out of first baseman. But today people would be like, wait, you're going to be a first baseman that plays great defense and hits 330? Sign me up. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we, we, I mentioned hockey before. We talked about hockey, and the way that hockey did it was they started at the youth levels, right? So they didn't make – I remember the NHL had guys <laughs> – a few guys on the ice with helmets, but most of them were not wearing helmets, you know, in the sixties and into the seventies even. And so it has to happen incrementally and little league baseball would be a place to start that. Um, and the technology is so much better than it was, you know, even 10 years ago. Yes, there's an expense. So it probably comes down to money to agree, right? All these youth leagues. Now you got to have the pitcher wear this thing and it probably won't be very good at the very low levels, but at least the kids will get used to it. And it would be better as, as everybody's agreeing if ML, B was behind this and say, let's help Little League Baseball. Maybe we give them some money, you know, to do this. How about that? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not uh, one to spend somebody else's money, but, uh, you know, obviously that that would be great to, um, you know, it, it, basically just uh, institute this at the lower levels, maybe give them a little money to um, help come up with a design or, or, or even to supply, you know, youth baseball with those things. Because ultimately, the more it's used at the lower levels and the more data that you get, uh, you know, you can you can improve this thing as it, as it goes forward. Um, and hopefully by the, you know, several years down the road, um, you can have a, a product that um, big league players would be willing to wear. Mm-hmm. We need, need to start now, right? Because it could take twenty years before no it's about through. it. Yeah, for sure, definitely. So, all right. Well, um, uh, we want to thank you for joining us on the program uh, on the podcast. Like I said, our first guest will, you know, will always be grateful to you for for getting us started, and hopefully, you know, um, we'll get a chance to talk to you in the future. Uh, thanks again for uh, for joining us, and uh, hopefully, we'll have you back some other time. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you. Take care, Willie. So, you know, we just we finished speaking up with Willie, but we just kind of wanted to take some time to kind of take a look at the historical perspective of it, kind of just run through a large number of the incidents that have occurred, because there's a lot of interesting history here. And you'd be surprised because one of the things that kind of jumped out to me is how it's seemingly become more common as time has passed on with a lot of the incidents happening rather recently, it feels like. You know, I, I was tracking them, and I had forgotten about the the Kelly Stinnett, uh hitting Billy Wagner, uh, yeah. two other former Mets, by the way, um, and and how uh, you know that was you know I, we started after that with Bryce Flory, and I do remember that, um, and who got hit, and and so Willie's injury, I think we didn't really want to talk about it with him on the air too much about the fact that you know if it had happened like a you know a quarter of an inch different or an inch different and it could have been fatal it was really that close uh and you don't really want to talk about you know a brush like that because uh it's discomforting yeah exactly and then that was a that was a bad one that was definitely like like one of the things that also makes it tough is Louise was definitely one of the, the the more difficult incidents he was down for like five minutes i think in that and it's just it was a scary moment 
off the bat of Julio Franco, 107 miles an hour exit velocity. So yeah, the, the the point, the great part about this is, is the only joke I want to make is that yeah, we had Julio Franco back in 1997. He might have still been 50 at that point. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, and 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 I had no idea, uh, by the way, that yeah, that Willie had uh, played with Olerud, Uh and I should have remembered that. You know that, that he, he played, played with him twice, but with the Blue Jays and the Mets, two different places. So um, the general manager now, uh, another former Met. Uh, and a former Royal is uh, the newest general manager of the Texas Rangers, Chris Young. Um, and, uh, and in 2008, he got hit uh, in the head by Pujols, uh, a liner right back up the middle, bloodied his nose, fractured his skull. And then he ended up pitching for, you know, another eight bunch of years. Yeah, he pitched for a large number of years past that. So, you know, it, it, it happens. The point is way too often. I think that's what we, we, we well, that's on. the wild thing. When you start looking through, like, especially in the jump in incidents since 20, like 10, essentially, it's pretty wild how many more of them there have been. And, and you, you know, you don't know, is it because the exit velocities are, are faster off the bats that pitchers that it would seem that, you know, maybe there's a slight difference there, but it's hard to believe it would be that, you know, that much more than it was 50 years ago. The bats are still winning. The balls are still pretty much the same. Well, I wonder if it has to do with the batters changing up. I mean, this is obviously wouldn't go back to 2010, but it would make sense at least going forward that with the change in batters trying to affect their launch angle, that might be resulting in more line drives than before where there was almost kind of the the baseball thing. If you want to hit the ball, put the ball on the ground. You know what I mean? People would try and hit those lows, smash it into the ground, and you don't really get that anymore. So, so just running through the pitcher names in 2009, Joe Martinez of the Giants. Uh, and, and it was is the second major league outing. And a weird thing when I started looking through these names, a lot of rookies, you know, got hit. Um, which I, I don't really understand why you'd be more prone as a rookie to have that happen. It makes the only no thing, statistical sense. The only thing I could think is that for whatever reason, as a rookie, you're more likely to get a guy that isn't as practiced or skilled in uh, avoiding the ball. <laughs> uh, no, Juan Nicasio, um of the Rockies, uh, Brandon McCarthy, yep. uh, you know, in 2012, that's a little bit more recently, Jay Happ uh, in 13, Aroldis Chapman in 14. Yeah, he took that one off the face, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, these are just major league pitchers, right? We're not talking about other levels. You don't hear about it at the minor league level very much, or at the college level, or any other level. We just know it because major leaguers get written about. Mm-hmm. So uh, Archie Bradley, who I think just took a new deal, um, he got hit in fifteen. Matt Shoemaker also of a new deal. I remember that was that was a really bad yeah. one. Shoemaker yeah. got hit really badly. Uh, and the Dodgers, Justin May in 2019. So almost every year, you know, in the past, you know, five, you've got an incident beat in spring training or the regular season where, you know, guys get hit and it, 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 no one's trying to sweep it under the rug, but they certainly don't want to talk about it. And, and you know, you even go back that like just a guy getting hit by a baseball can have a career altering impact. Like I remember, I think it was Dizzy Dean. He got hit in like the foot. And didn't that mess up his throwing motion, which caused like other injuries down the line? He couldn't really be the same pitcher that he was, right? Well, unfortunately, we're talking about headgear. We're not going to put toe gears on. No, no, no. But like what you're saying is like even the littlest thing right, of being right. struck by a baseball can have a career altering impact for a guy. So like when you think about like what happens when it's the head area, it can just be even worse. 
you know, uh, one of the things that happened uh, before your time was a, was a famous photo on the cover of Sports Illustrated by a hitter getting hit in the eye with a fastball by Jack Hamilton, a Tony Canigliero. Right. You've career, we talked but, about him because he was he was having a good career up until that point, And then he was never the same. Yep. Led the league in home runs and was never, never the same. So what we're getting to is, is that we'd love for there to be a movement that something starts now, because as we discussed with Willie, it's going to take 20 years before that could actually going to be comfortable enough for someone to have technology to wear on the mound in a major league game. Right. And if you start developing it now on your own preemptively, you might have different competing technologies because people can go with what they think might be a better solution. Whereas if we wait until, like we said, there's some kind of more grievous incident, it's just going to be heavy handed one top down solution because we need to do something at that point. And, and at the at the at the youth levels, which is where we believe it should start, we think that, you know, it, it, do it before something happens, because what if parents say, oh, God, this pitcher got hit and, and, and killed or whatever it would be and not let their kids play, play baseball. And you're going to lose a lot of kids because parents are afraid of some, you know, 11 year old or a nine year old hitting their kid on the mound. I'm, I'm overstating. Yeah, but parents are pulling their kids from football because of the potential injuries. Right. So you, the last thing you want to do is give them a reason to pull their kids from baseball for the same thing. So let's get started with this, and uh, hopefully we'll talk more about this. And uh, Willie had some good, you know, uh, thoughts on, you know, how we might sort of further the discussion. And so, if you'd like to, you know, you know, send us your thoughts on this as well. At uh, we'd uh, love to hear it. Yeah, 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 at our email or our Twitter feed. So, well, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting subject, and uh, we'll talk more about it. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, and you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Coop. <laughs>